Welcome to the clan! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. We want you to win! This podcast exists so that you can find information, education, and we're hoping a little bit of inspiration to get you on your way and have you know what you're supposed to be doing in the new music business because it's different than it used to be. And that's why we called it The Climb. My Wordsmith co-host put this together, creating leverage in the music business. The Climb. Brilliant! So (laughs) with that, I want to introduce you to my co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent is an award-winning hit songwriter with tracks, cuts, and hits by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Annabellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And what's really cool about Brent is that he also helps songwriters turn pro by teaching the art, the craft, and the business of songwriting. And you can find Brent at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. It's an innovative artist development company. Basically, they help you find your sound and they help you find your audience. Not only do they develop and improve your artistry, they also grow and monetize your fan base, creating... Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That's production singular, no S, and we all know why, because ladies and gentlemen, there is only one Johnny Dwinell. Uh, that's how you know there's a God. He's like, oh, no. <laughs> one, and, one and done. One and done. Break break that one. Break that one. Like a freshman phenom at Kentucky or something. One and done. <laughs> That's right. Don't talk to me about <laughs> Kentucky, sir. <laughs> uh, I'm an Arkansas fan. I don't go into Kentucky basketball. But anyway. Uh, how you doing, brother? <laughs> I'm doing all right, man. Yeah? It's good to see you over, over Skype here. Good to see you too, man. We got a lot going on. We got a lot to cover. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm super stoked. Like like tell us because you're you're heading it I'm, up here. You're at the helm. I'm in the driver's you're seat. Driving. That's right. I'm in the driver's seat. Well, this episode, I think we're going to end up calling it. It takes a lot of swings to get a hit, Ooh. and it's about perseverance. All right, it takes a lot of swing to get a hit. If you basically what I want to talk about is don't give up on your song if the first publisher doesn't love it, and don't give up on that publisher if they don't love the first song you play for them. You usually have to take. You know, a lot of swings of the bat before you get a hit. It takes a lot of swings to get a hit. So, and I'm going to share a few of my stories that kind of prove that out in my career and hopefully will be inspiring and educational and just motivational for you guys on your journey. Yeah. So, there we go. That's what I'm going to talk about tonight. But first, I think we have a new review or two or three or four, but we're just going to read one of them. John, you have one of them pulled up? I do. I do. And hey, by the way, thank you for everybody for, uh, we got a, a bunch of reviews this this past couple weeks. We want to encourage you if, you, if you like this content, if you're digging the rap that Brent and I got going on, you're digging the information, share it. Tell your friends about it because I'm sure there's somebody else that's going to want to hear this kind of thing too. And subscribe. Subscribe to mm-hmm. that so as soon as it downloads, you got it in your podcast player and you can rock it whenever you want to rock it. It's right there and you don't need to no much no to, fuss. You don't have to think about it. The more you can kind of automate where you don't have to think about it, you can save your brain power for writing songs, booking gigs, 
all that good stuff. Right. And 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 here's the deal: when you when you leave a rating and a review, we're gonna make you famous like this right here. This <laughs> this review is is a five star review. It's called "The Climb Nuggets Galore" by I'm Foster Jr. I really like this guy already. I mean, don't you just trust him right off the bat? Right off the bat. (laughs) It says, Johnny Dunnell and Brent Baxter provide a complete spectrum of challenges, issues, ups, downs, do's, don'ts, etc. that anyone will face in the music business when it comes to earning money as a songwriter. Their depth of knowledge they share is really incredible. They want you to succeed. A shout out and thanks to these two professionals for keeping it real. Kindest regards, Larry. Thank you, Larry. We appreciate Thank that. You, Larry. That is that just made that just got me pumped up right now. Oh yeah. You didn't think I was pumped up? I'm pumped up now. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I think Larry's uh, one of my uh, one of my Freddie members over there at Freddie.com as well. I, he left that before I kind of made contact with him. But yeah, so awesome. I think Larry and I are gonna be spending a little time together here coming up. So I'm Thank you, Larry. I'm already liking you. Already looking forward to our meeting. Oh, <laughs> so there we go. There we go. Yeah. So, all right, we'll get into the content here. It takes a lot of swings to get to a hit. I first exactly. of all, love that. Wordplay. Me do words good. <laughs> there we go. Thought about that. Don't spew your water. All right. So let's start off with a couple stories. Gather around, children. Let Uncle Brent tell you a story. All right. So first story. Back before I had really anything going on as a songwriter. No cuts, nothing like that. I mean, I had, you know, some indie cuts on my best friend co-writer. That plat that album went you know triple plywood, <laughs> so uh, three hundred uh, albums or so we sold. Triple you know plywood. That's good. That's triple more than plywood. most artists. <laughs> we uh, we made we made a uh, we made like a homemade plaque. You know a plywood discs. That's <laughs> like funny. wooden looking discs. Hung Did it you up. Really? Do you have a picture? Oh of this? yeah, I got I got it over there. I'll show it to you later. I'm going to get up right now. You but, yeah, have still, to post it. That. Is, it you- is still. In my office, you have to post that. It's like my first, you know, thing I could hang on the wall from We made our own. Front door, you have to post Heck that. Yeah, triple for sales of three hundred units. Triple plywood. <laughs> Ten mites in a thousand acres. Awesome. <laughs> yes, it's a rarity now. Well, now we just call it a rarity. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so rare that anybody bought one. <laughs> it's so rare that anyone bought one, and I don't know where that box of the other thousand or the rest of the thousand is. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Yep, triple plywood. Anyway, so. Back in those days, not long after I moved to Nashville, um, I cold called Major Bob Music, and so that's a that's a publisher in town. Garth Brooks is, you know, one of, they also have management arms, so they manage Garth. Garth was a writer there, and uh, so, what? Hello. Anyway, so um, they're a music publisher I was a big fan of. So one day I cold called them. They said they would, I could drop off a comp. And so if you don't know, a comp is basically a CD with a few songs on it. It's a compilation disc. So I dropped off a comp of a couple of my songs. You know what I heard back? Nothing. Nothing. Crickets. Crickets. And not the song. (laughs) I know. No, I heard nothing back. They said, yeah, you can drop it off. So I went by, dropped it off. Never heard anything back. (laughs) Nothing but a cold wind going on. Tumbleweed. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, that's exactly what Brent, I heard. Brent patiently waits by the phone. And <laughs> the, the wind is rustling the trees. I know. Tumbleweed goes rolling across the road. I know. No, I like it's not mutual. So, yeah, never heard anything back. But a few months later, a mutual friend in the industry, who was actually my ASCAP rep, Chad Green, he recommended me to him. Chad Green? Chad, Chad Green. That's I know. It. I'm yeah. having coffee with him tomorrow morning. There we go. Tell him I said So happy. stoked about that. Yep. And you can tell him I was talking good about him. I so 
I'd, I'd just been getting to know Chad, had a meeting, played some songs for him. He dug them. He said, let me call a buddy of mine, Mike Doyle, over at Major Bob. And he called Mike. Hey, got a writer here. Actually had just gotten the Alan Jackson cut, but word wasn't out, so nobody knew it yet. He's like, got an Alan Jackson cut. I dig what he's doing. I think you'll dig it. They said, cool, have him drop off a CD. This time, they listened, and they got back to me. And eventually, we go on to sign my first publishing deal, so me and Major Bob Music. So a month or two before, a couple months before, tumbleweeds and crickets. A couple months later, Buddy picks up a phone. We try again. This time, it works out beautifully. Second story. All right. So my first meeting at ASCAP years before I met with Chad was actually with Mike Doyle. <laughs> okay. This is about two, the year 2000. He saw potential in a couple of my songs. This is when I was, uh, this is before I moved here. I was, I drove in with my buddy Tim, who went triple plywood. <laughs> and we brought, we brought the record. We brought the album, the CD, the disc. And we brought that. And we got, I was a first meeting at ASCAP. We're coming to Nashville. And, had a meeting with had Mike Doyle, who was an ASCAP rep at the time, and played him a couple songs. And, you know, he had some nice things to say, but he's like moments of really good stuff, you know, but you just not enough of them. You got to string them together and had some nice, encouraging things to say, but he did not do backflips. He saw some potential, but it was not ready yet. So that's in 2000. So, you know, and he probably forgot about me the minute that Tim and I walked out his door. You know, on to the next rider. Yeah, we all right, had like another but, 50 people to meet that day. Yeah, and we didn't yeah. we didn't make his clothes curl, you know? So, but five years later, he's a major Bob. He gets a phone call from Chad Green. Sent, telling him about this guy named Brent Baxter, who's, you know, Mike has never heard of before, <laughs> right? And I send a disc over. They dig it. We have meetings. Then he's my song plugger. Now, so about five years later, the guy that, you know, I didn't make his toes curl because the songs weren't there. Because you had some more work to song. do. Yeah. I had more work to do. I had a lot more work to do. Five years later, he's my song player. There's like five morals of this story. Hold on. I'm freaking out right now. But, but. Uh, <laughs> yes. There's no, so much there. Did he, did he recognize you? Like when you went in there? Did, did no, you say, hey, I we told- met before? Did, did uh, you probably I, don't remember, but. I waited till we signed the deal. Then I told him. <laughs> You're so smart. <laughs> I was like, hey, Mike, you know, we met, you know, back in 2000. Like, really? I'm like, yeah, I got my notes from the meeting. Let me look it up. And I had this notebook where I kept all my meeting notes in and stuff, you know, because the analog. I'm like, here's what you said. He's like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm like, no, it's cool. It's cool. Because <laughs> you know? so, that was smart because now it's a funny anecdote because the, the it, ink's already dry. <laughs> the ink's dry. It's funny. I'm on board. He likes my stuff. He's pitching my stuff, you know. So then, yeah, then it's a funny anecdote and, and a moment of fear, you know, on his face. Oh, my God. So, so can I step in here for a second? Not like oh, I yeah. Have. I mean, I'm going to the, get to the big morals in a minute, but yes. Oh, my. Well, first of all, I'm just thinking like how, because I was thinking about this the other day, like how important it is to, first of all, not go sideways when you have like one meeting where somebody doesn't, somebody's toes don't curl over you, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and, and also, certainly not to go sour on them because they might end up being on your team a couple years later. Mm-hmm. Things change, certainly, and hopefully your writing, your 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 craft gets better. Yes. And, and you know, you come up on that list, but then, um, man, like you just can't, you can't get wound up on anybody because you just don't know. It's one day, it's one moment in time. And, mm-hmm. and the first thing is... It, what I'm hearing from you is that 
it's not exactly about the art on the first shot. You know, it's just it, as much about a relationship. Yeah. It, yeah, I mean, it takes both. It takes both. Because if I'd been a, a jerk to Mike and he remembered me, even if the songs were good, you know, five years later, had gotten better, he'd be like, yeah, but he's another a, good point. He's he, a poison pill. He would have remembered you. Know, you we if don't you want were him jerk. in the house. Yeah, yeah, probably would if I'd been a big enough jerk. I mean, it's still. I'm sure he ran into his share of them over the you know intervening five years. But still, if you make that bad impression, then even if you bring in really good songs, you'd be like, I don't want this guy in here every day. Yeah, there's another good songwriter about to walk through the door probably. So yeah. why this? You know, why sign Brand if he's going to be a jerk to us? So, but yeah, it's funny. It's um, about not burning bridges. Sidebar story, it's story time. Value bomb. I was, I was, uh, I was working at Blue Water Music uh, shortly after I moved to Nashville. So this is back in the days of triple plywood, you know, and and moving to town and didn't have anything going on. So I got a job part time in the uh, royalty and administrative department of Blue Water Music. So we would, I was putting in Kim Ritchie's and Chris Knight's and Jim Lauderdale's royalty data into the system, doing their, you know, payouts and stuff. So I was working there part-time, ended up going full-time, brought Monday morning church to town, played it for them. They passed. You know, eventually gets cut. And about that same time, like a couple weeks before that song comes out, I get canned. Oh. From, yeah. And I wasn't planning on leaving just because I got my first cut because I did the math. I'm like, it's probably not going to be a single. I can't quit my job over this. I need to keep this gig. You know, I was, I was part-time then, but still, they they let me go for – whatever reasons and which end up being a blessing. But another thing that, you know, you want to keep your relationships good. You want to watch how you go out is every quarter they you know, they work for me. They're my admin company now. Yeah. I turned right back around and hired them. They fired me. I turned right back around and hired them. Yeah, how do you do, like me now? <laughs> yeah. To do the admin on Monday morning church. And then on some other cuts that I've had since then that I own, they collect the money for me. They, ball it bundle it up and they send it to me every quarter and because i knew the guys i can call you know i can call pete there and i call other people there and i know how much they care about doing a good job and being accurate and tracking down money and everything and sure still had a good relationship with those people so i could have blown up and got mad like you're gonna blah 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 and then after left after i left would have thought about oh yeah who's gonna collect my royalty money (laughs) i don't know you know i knew enough from learning the job there to start off doing my, some of my own administrative work, mm-hmm. but I knew eventually it was going to be worth that 10% to ha- sure. outsource it, to not have to worry about it, to know it's in good professional hands, that that's what they do. So your relationships, yeah. it's like, they work for me <laughs> and it's all good. It's all good. So yeah. And another sidebar, uh, uh, Chad, I was just a year or two ago that Chad told me this. So Chad over at ASCAP, I'd been calling for a meeting over there, heard, been hearing good things about him. I think my brother-in-law, Matt Klein, who was just my buddy then, uh, had a meeting with Chad or something. So, I'd been, you know, he's a good rep to meet with. So I'd been calling about trying to get a meeting. And as those things do, it takes a while to finally lock down a meeting. Anyway, I find out years later that Chad somehow got me confused with somebody else that had been just a jerk or in some way offensive around offensive somehow attached my name to that person in his mind because he hadn't met me and somehow got the wires crossed so when i was emailing and calling for an appointment he he thought it was that other guy oh my gosh 
And I mean, it was Brent Barter or something. I don't know. And so, but finally he, you know, he met with me and he's like, oh, that's a totally different dude. I like this dude. <laughs> 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 and so, you know, that's, boy, there are things in this business you just cannot control. You can't write this stuff, the stuff that goes yeah. on. I mean, you and can't so, write it. <laughs> you know, he, but he's a pro. Eventually, he met with this guy that he thought was a jerk. You know, he's going to meet with him again and figure it out. Oh, he's, you know, he's just crazy. He's Brent Baxter, not this other guy. And then, like my stuff, we get along great. He calls Mike, who five years before didn't. Oh, that's, that's insane. So, yeah, all these little things. All right, ready for the next story? Yes, sir. All right, so this is years later. I've left Major Bob. I'm at uh, another publishing company that um, I'm in another deal there. And so years later, a different publisher didn't believe in my song, Crickets. They didn't believe in it enough to pay for a demo. My co-writers wanted to demo it. They're like, no, we don't, we don't really know what to do with it. We don't want to spend any money on it. So my co-writers did a guitar vocal anyway. So, you know, the day we wrote it, we thought it'd be good for Joe Nichols. So I pitched it to Joe's label, which was Universal South at the time. Uh, pitched it to a couple people over there. Pass, 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 pass. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. pass pitched it around some other places around the row eventually got put on hold for easton corbin so i was excited about that eventually didn't get cut pass then joe nichols got a new record label on red bow so i pitched it again and this time pitch hold cut title track so all this took you know course of a couple of years you yeah. know of no, 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 no. Yes. A whole bunch of at-bats. A whole bunch of, yeah. And finally got the pitch you wanted. <laughs> and eventually, you hit that sweet little, yeah. you know, and it feels good, and your hand's like, oh, there it goes. <laughs> so, yeah. Another another story. This might be my last one. Uh, I had a song idea and a lyric called Monday Morning Church, and this was back in uh, in Arkansas. And I showed it to the guy that at my time was my main co-writer, Mr. Triple Plywood. Tim, you know, I showed it to him because uh, he was my go-to guy, and he never did anything with it. Just you know, maybe 
piddle around with a little bit, but nothing ever, nothing ever happened with it. Showed it to another guy I knew in, in Little Rock that was a potential co-writer. He took a look at it, but never wrote on it. Nothing ever happened, you know, because I'm a lyricist, so I'm shopping my lyric around, you know. Mm-hmm. Nothing ever happened. And then I met Erin Enderlin, and she dug it. The girl likes sad songs, <laughs> so uh, she loved it. We wrote it. And it took a couple years, but eventually Alan Jackson made Monday Morning Church a top five hit. So what does this mean for you guys, for you climbers out there that, you know, you're going through and you're swinging, you're taking your swings and, you know, you're whiffing or you're fouling off or you're, you know, it's not going the way you want to. What lesson is this for you? Because this is not about me. Okay. I just know these stories because I lived them. All right. And I can speak about them with authority. What it means for you is that you shouldn't give up. It means you got to keep swinging the bat, and that's what I really want you to take away this episode. So, I mean, just think about it. What if I'd given up on Monday morning church because the first few potential co-writers passed on it? Ah, nothing happened. That yeah, so it must suck, right? That's what right. goes through your head. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was cool, but I guess not. What if I'd given up on crickets because my publisher didn't love it? All right. Oh, well, they're not going to pay for it. Yeah, it must not be any good. They're the professionals. What if I'd given up on Major Bob? Because they apparently didn't love my songs that I dropped off, you know, a couple months earlier, or because one of their song pluggers didn't do backflips over me five years earlier. I don't know. I dropped off a CD and they didn't. Or I heard back and Mike Doyle's a plug over there, and you know, I met with him a long time ago and he didn't really like my stuff. It was all right, but you know, what if I'd done all that? Yeah, I'd probably be sitting on this side of the microphone. That's a fact. You know, <laughs> you'd be back at the the Khaki Palace. Uh, prairie dog in it up out of your uh, little <laughs> your little cubicle <laughs> head popping up huh? break time? is it break time <laughs> it's a break time yeah. man I'll tell you what like um, I think here's why I love this this subject matter because the um, the, the wounded artist in us all there's there's an element in us all that's looking for a reason just not to go through the the pain anymore and the rejection you know like right. let's just go do let's just go work at McDonald's or do something to make regular money and and it's really hard I mean I struggle with it from time to time you know I hit little speed bumps with the company and I'm like oh, I could be making a million dollars right now selling insurance you know mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be having any fun it would suck yeah you know this is way more exciting <laughs> yeah so um but the Man, Van Halen passed, was passed on by every record label twice. Mm-hmm. Twice. Passed on by like every label in town. Yeah. And, and what's, what's more than that, when Van Halen did get signed, it was Ted Templeman and Mo Austin who happened to be going down to the Troubadour to see Dokken play. And Van <laughs> yeah. Halen opened up for Dokken. They were going to sign Dokken. They were ready to sign Dokken. And then finally they saw Van Halen live. Because mm-hmm. they heard Eddie, and he and and, and Ted Templeman was like willing to sign Eddie because he was special, clearly. Mm-hmm. But but he wanted to put Sammy Hagar in the band. But yeah. Before they, they never met until that whole story with their with their Ferrari mechanic, their mutual Ferrari mechanic hooking them up, right? Like years <laughs> later. But in the beginning, that's who he because because um, uh, Sammy was a Warner Brothers artist, mm-hmm. and and they wanted he wanted to put Sammy in a band, and he thought that would be great, and they just said no, nope, forget about it, we're not getting rid of Dave, you know. And then finally yeah. they saw him live, and they're like, oh, we get it, 
And yeah. so he signed him, and then it, you know they took two weeks to record that first freaking record, to record it and mix it and put it out, and it is wow. that's eruption, you know. But every record label passed on him twice. They they were produced by Gene Simmons, one of their mm-hmm. demos. Like he he put a bunch of stuff into him, you know. And yeah. I mean, um, Florida Georgia Line, right? Mm-hmm. Florida Georgia Line, like. So, okay, so let's step one step back with Van Halen. When Ted Templeman and Mo Austin went to see them play live, did they all of a sudden have a whole bunch of brand new songs? Did they do something completely different than what they were doing from the demos that he heard? No. No. Did the band change? No. Did, you know, did the music change? No. Did the songs change? No. What changed? The perception. He yeah. saw him live. He was like, oh, I get it. Like, this is all about David Lee Roth having happy hour on stage. Like, this will sell. <laughs> okay. And that's exactly what it was. And, it's ex- and he was exactly right. And the mm-hmm. same thing with Florida Georgia Line, right? Like, like, I mean, Craig Wiseman's behind that band. Like, Craig Wiseman calls every single person in town. They pick up the phone. Right. What's yeah. going on, Craig? What do you got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it just yeah. about a barbecue or do you got something big for me? What do you got? What do you got? Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> you know, and and uh, and he's like, I got this band, Florida Georgia Line. They're killer, blah, blah, blah. But that was the beginning, whether you love it or hate it, of, of bro country. But that was not mm. on the radio prior to that. Radio said it would never work. The radio station or the uh, record label said it would never work. All of them, multiple times. Mm. And then they went out and sold 100,000 downloads of damn selves and came back. Mm. And again, producer change no because they were shopping the record the record mm-hmm. was done right did the record change no songs change no band change no what changed the perception yeah so sometimes you just got to keep plugging away to and 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 get those at bats because it believe it or not it doesn't feel like it it helped you it doesn't feel like you got any traction but you mm-hmm. kind of did like whether mm-hmm. whether your boy at major bob realized it or not I promise you there was a, there's an energy there. Like maybe he couldn't Mm -hmm. articulate that he remembered you, but there was a comfort factor there because he knew you before. Like, I believe in that, you Mm -hmm. know, I believe it's kind of like, have we met? Like, you know, he was probably wondering that, but he didn't want to ask because he might be embarrassed. Like, was I an asshole? (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know, like, like, did I do something? Was I terrible? Or, you know, like he he don't want to, you know, everybody's, everybody's at, at unease, but I'll bet you that there was something in there that was kind of like a deja vu thing or something where, he was like, so it just, there's a, a you know what I do? of familiarity. You know, what I do? you know what I do in those situations? This is just my go-to now. What's that? Just in case I've met someone before. I don't say nice to meet you. It's like, good to see you. Mm-hmm. That's, my, that's my thing. I do that all the like, time. I might have met him before. I might have mentored him at NSAI. I might have met him at a workshop, at something, at a writer's, whatever. I don't want to, I don't want to insult him, but if I, just in case. Yeah. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. Good to see you. Because otherwise you look like yeah. a jerk. By the way, I was I was at um <laughs> I was at that Ashley McBride showcase tonight. I was telling you. I'm with my friend Laura. And she's like, um, so uh, you know, Ashley's Ashley's girlfriend is mm-hmm. named Ashley as well. And so I didn't know, uh, you know, I knew Ashley had a girlfriend, but I didn't know her name was Ashley. And mm-hmm. Laura introduces me to someone in this noisy bar, and she's like, Hey, this is this is Ashley's mom. Uh, Par- Mrs. Parker, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, hi. I think your daughter's weight wonderful." And she looks at me like, "You know what?" Like, <laughs> and yeah. I, didn't, I didn't get it. So I'm like, I go over, and Laura's like, "Listen, I should tell you that's Ashley's girlfriend's mom, Mrs. Parker." I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, that explains everything." And then right then, this other girl comes walking up, and she's like, "Hi!" And she hugs Laura, and she looks at me. She's like, "Hey, how are you?" I'm like, "How are you?" She's like, "My name's Ashley." I'm like. Oh my God, you're Ashley. You're Ashley Parker. I just met your mama, and she looks at me. She's like, "What?" I'm like, "Oh my God, it was the third Ashley." 
So it's like I, a movie Heathers. I hopped all the way back here, like as one foot was in my mouth the whole time. <laughs> but yeah, so I should just say, good to see you. Like, <laughs> I don't know why I, I got know. off that because I got, I got caught up in the in the Ashley thing. And right, yeah. You think, how was, many can there be? I, I just, I wasn't expecting it. But anyway. That's funny. It's like the movie Heathers. All right. So the point of so much of this craziness is nobody will believe in you or your music until they finally do. Yeah. All right. None of these people believe Major Bob, Mike, you know, the publisher Crickets. Funny, they still collect the money on it. <laughs> Didn't believe it then. But they'll collect it. It's funny. Hey, so nobody way, will believe in your music until they do. And you can't, it, this doesn't work with sticking your toe in the water. Like, I'm going to write this song. I'm going to make this acoustic mm-hmm. vocal. And then I'm just going to see what happens. As soon as I make some money from that, then I'm going to get serious about this. Right. It just doesn't yeah, work that way. The music business doesn't. I mean, some things you can launch with a minimum viable product. You like a lemonade stand. Yeah, and just say, I'll make I'll sell a couple of lemons, lemonades to some people going by, and then I'll use those quarters to invest in a little bit more sugar, a little more lemons, and then I can grow my operation. Especially songwriting just doesn't – if it works that way, somebody needs to come and tell me how to do that. <laughs> it doesn't. That's why. It's Yeah. There's no minor league. There's no, no. developmental league. There's It's it's all on. So, but yeah, no one's going to believe in you or your music until they finally do. So, I mean, I've heard stories about producers who had to hear a song three, four, or five times on, you know, separate occasions before they finally got it and they cut the song and they loved it. And like, why haven't I heard this before? No, <laughs> you know, not going to tell them they've heard it three times. But what if those writers or those pluggers had given up after only one try? Yeah. You know, so people who succeed in the music business are the ones who don't give up. There you go. And that sounds really simple, but it's not easy. And it's true, though. People who win in the music business are the ones who don't give up. And listen, I know the feeling. I mean, it, it's frustrating. I've been there. You, you write a song you really believe in, and the first publisher you play it for skips to the next song halfway through the course, and they don't even make any comments on it. Or you finally get that first publisher meeting, and they say you need to dig deeper or whatever, you know? It hurts. Yeah. But if you want to be a pro, you got to act like a pro. You know what pros do? A pro will take an honest look at themselves and their writing. They'll know they'll assess if they need to go back to the woodshed. They'll get out to their guitars again. They're going to write another song. Then they're going to demo another song. Then they're going to pitch another song. And they're going to call another publisher. Eventually, they'll probably call the same publisher back. Or they'll pitch that same song again. Why is that? Because pros know that their songs probably won't be the right song at the right time the first time. All right, so your song probably won't be the right song at the right time the first time. It's going to take some swings. It's going to take some at-bats. We also know we probably won't be the right songwriter at the right time the first time either. You know, I sure wasn't the right songwriter at the right time the first time I met uh, Mike at ASCAP. But I was the right songwriter at the right time a few years later we met when he was at Major Bob when Chad sent me over there. So the big lesson is... You're never going to hit home runs if you don't keep swinging the bat. That's right. Simple. Can't win if keep... you don't play. Exactly. So it's it's amazing how your odds of hitting a home run, you know, go up as soon as you walk out on the the ball field, pick up a bat and walk out there, stand at home plate, 
it's amazing how much your odds increase <laughs> from when you're in the stands. You yeah, know? man. It's something like um, 50% of people quit after the first failure. Mm-hmm. I think 70% of people quit after the second failure. And 95% of people quit after the third failure. There you go. So, man, if you just set the bar, like, I'm going to fail like a hundred times before I decide to quit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, then all of a sudden you're, the herd has thinned out. Yeah. And you're, mm-hmm. you're all you, cause that you're going to be around long enough to start making some relationships, you know? Exactly. And you'll be a lot wiser than those people that are still on their first or second fail. That's right. Who are tripping over it, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I just want to talk to the climbers out there and say, you know, what about you? Is there a song you believe in that's been passed over? Maybe it's time somebody hears that song again. Maybe, maybe you've been passed over as a writer, and maybe it's time to put yourself out there again. Make that phone call. Send that email. Or if you're not sure what to do, what swing you ought to take next, I might have something for you. You want to hear what it is, Johnny? I know what this is, and this is right. awesome. I know. All I right. also know some writers have already gotten some created some relationships with publishers from this exact event. All right, cool. That's good. So I'm hosting a Songwriting Pros Play for a Publisher event next month. So that's in June. If you're listening to this in the future, I do them periodically. So another one's probably coming up. So now that I've done a few of these Play for a Publisher events, I've seen some cool stuff happen. I've seen a songwriter who didn't make it into the – basically what I do is I listen to – you know, you can submit a song. I listen to a boatload of songs. I narrow it down to the 10 I think have the best chance of catching the ear of our publisher guest. And then we sit down. We listen to them, go back and forth. The writers are there. It's all video conference, so you can join from anywhere in the world. So that me, the publisher, listen to the whole song, and then you get to interact with them, talk about the song, that kind of, kind of stuff. So it's really cool. But I've seen you know songwriters who didn't make it to the first one make it to – a later one. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't get in the first round, but we did it again later, different publisher, different time, maybe different song. They got in that time. I've also seen the same song not make it to one play for a publisher, but then make it to the next. Just, it's a different time, different set of songs, different set of competition. You just never know. Uh, so maybe this is the right time for you. Maybe you've entered before and not had one make it, or maybe you've entered some different songs because some new songs you're just not sure. Uh, you know, if you want to learn more about this, if you want to submit your song, if you want to take another swing, all you have to do is download my free ebook at Think Like a uh, Think Like a Pro Songwriter at giftfrombrent.com. What that will do is you'll get a free ebook out of it, which is really cool and worth it by itself. But you also, it'll subscribe you to my email list, kind of the Songwriting Pro Insiders list. And so you'll get all the information about the. Uh, play for a publisher event. So whether you're hearing this, because I know these podcasts, they live a long time. So if you're hearing this in the future, how is your flying car? But other than that, if you're listening to this in the future and you're <laughs> flying car and they still have websites, you can go to giftfrombrent.com and it gets you on my email list, the insider list, and it'll tell you, you know, when the next one's coming up, you can check it out. That's but yeah, I hope awesome. you will. Awesome. Yeah, I'm awesome, looking forward awesome. to it. It's fun. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to shoot this out to my community too cuz I think it's a good what an opportunity, you know? Yeah. I think it's great cuz everyone that enters a song gets to even if you don't get to make it to the event itself, we're going to videotape, videotape it. We're going to 8 millimeter it and we're going to record it. <laughs> you chisel the whole event out in stone and paint it on the wall. <laughs> yeah, stone painting. I did my hand to some ram's blood. Stick it up on the wall. Anyway, we're going to record it and I'll make the replay available. 
for everybody that submits a song. That way, you know, even if it didn't make the cut, you get to see the songs that did and learn from what he has to say about those people. Because that's one thing people have said is that, man, I learned a lot from hearing what he had to say about oh, somebody you know, the else's song. Songs. Sure. Yeah, because they're all quality songs that make it. That makes and so you have sense. to dig a little bit deeper than you, the normal, just like uh, it shouldn't be eight minutes, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, so check it out, giftfrombrent.com, get a free ebook, get some more info about the Play for Publisher event. That's oh, all I got. I love that. Well, that brings us to the end of another uh, killer climb episode. And hey, listen, again, this podcast exists because we want you to win. We want to want to educate you on what's happening right now, provide a little inspiration today, and hopefully get you motivated to to keep on trucking, to keep uh, writing those songs, keep being an artist. This is the best time to make this happen. It may not feel that way right now, but this is the best time to be an artist, guys. So with that, we're going to say uh, don't forget to subscribe. Please share it with your friends if you like this podcast and keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.